the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Girls Gone Boss. I'm Gabby and Alex is joining me on a beautiful Sunday. Hey Gabby, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be recording again. Last time you did it solo. By the way, you did such a good job. I'm so proud of you. I was so nervous, but then I wasn't. So <laughs> you did amazing. Thank and you know, you. that's the beauty of having a partnership because sometimes we are very busy and we can't make things together. But you know, we always have each other's back. So that's dope. Yes. Thank you, Gabs. Of course. So we're back with another episode and we have an amazing another woman that is killing it in her own space. Um, I happen to just con- be in contact with her because she um, works in the same um, company as I do, but in a different realm and a different, um, you know, a different section, I, I would say, and lives in L.A., but it's currently in Miami and she's from Miami. So I feel like all of us Miami girls find each other some way, somehow. And it was just like, hey, she contacted someone in the company, said, can I get a, a you know, one-on-one with Gabby? And that's how it happens, guys. You guys have to go and get, you know, those connections. Or if you want to talk to someone, don't be scared because this is how this happens. So I'm excited to have Crystal Santos, who grew up in Miami. She's Cuban-Dominican-American, and she also went to FIU, so whoop, whoop. <laughs> she is currently the art director at Warner Records in Los Angeles and does all the beautiful things that you see from all of the, your favorite artists, all the pictures, the videos, and all those like visuals that you see. She's in charge of putting all those things together, g- gathering all the creatives, And she's been doing it for quite some time, and she's going to help us understand what her role is like, how she got there, and much more. Welcome, Crystal. Hi, Crystal. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for, you know, joining us today. I think your role, when we and me and you had a little chat, I was like, oh my God, this be, this would be so interesting for our listeners because a lot of people probably don't even know that there's someone um, strategically behind the creative of all of that, the visuals that you see for an artist. So before we get into the nitty gritty of exactly what you do, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and how, you know, how did you explore, you know, getting into this field? And maybe I know you started in law. So how did you shift into going into entertainment? But give us that background. Definitely. Um, I was raised in Miami. So, well, growing up, I didn't even know that this job existed. And I don't even think I understood that the music industry was like a real thing. Like, you know, it's there, but like, certain jobs and stuff like that, like, it just doesn't cross your mind or like, that are, there are huge labels behind almost every song. And even if, you know, spoiler, but like, even if they seem to not have a label, there's for sure some huge force helping those songs come out. Um, so I just grew up thinking like, I can only get into law, into finance, into like nursing, like that's the realm of thought that I was in. Um, and so I started out going to FIU. Well, I went to Dade first and then transferred to FIU. It's like the normal Miami thing. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, in my first semester, I was like, oh my God, I had already been working um, about three years in law, just like in the law office doing different things. Um, and I realized like it wasn't for me. And I was just so miserable. Like, I remember I, I would want to listen to music while I work because that was like how I processed and worked faster. And I used to like, we had we had corded headphones. So I used to like hide it behind my hair and like feed it to myself, like hiding it with my bangs and everything, just like covering it, just so I could listen to music while I worked because we weren't allowed. And I always felt scared I was going to get in trouble, which sometimes I did, but it's like, complete different generation like you some people need music to work but it's like that rigidness I was like this I don't think this place is for me like I'm not happy (laughs) Um, it's not like free 
Um, so I continued on at FIU and I started with psychology and through that semester, I was like, I need to not do this. Like, what do I do? And I was just like praying so hard, like, what do I do? Um, and then one day I was just like, it just like popped in my head. It was like, why don't you look at like FITM in LA? And I don't even remember anything about that school. I just remembered like crying, like in my bed, like so desperate, like for something to a different avenue. And that school just like popped in my head. And I was like, let me look it up. And then I applied and it was basically either work on my application to get in for the next year or um, do my finals for that semester at FIU because it, it was like a huge project. Um, and I decided to just work on the project for FITM and just fail my finals for FIU. And I was like, I really have to get in because I just tanked my entire FIU career. Wow, so you took a big risk right there. Yes, I, yeah. You know, a lot of people said I was crazy, just get through the finals and then work on the thing. But it was like deadlines. And I was like, I can't miss the deadline. Like, I didn't even tell my parents. I was just like, look, after I started the project, I, I didn't even tell them. I don't even think they know that I tanked. <laughs> I just like left the school and I got in. Thank God it worked out. Like I moved a few months after that. But I was trying to move and get in for the next semester. And that was three weeks away. So I went from like never leaving my parents' house to, hey, I'm going to potentially move in three weeks to, oh. across the country. And they were like, um, what? <laughs> and OK, if you're sure. Um, like, I think they've they're very supportive once they realize that my mind is made up because I won't just make up my mind for nothing. Um, like I'm not making decisions like that every day. So they were more than happy to support it, even though they were really sad that I was potentially going to leave. Um, but they got, I got in and then I left to fit them. And then I spent the next year and a half cause I already had my AA in psychology. So I didn't have to do like the full program. So I just went in and just did the visual communications degree. Um, and it was awesome. Like best time of my life. So and much for fun. those of you listening that don't know what FITM is, it's the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles. It's a, a very prestigious school, and you know that's that's a wonderful um, you know thing that you decided that you were going to go and just go for it. And you went from like law to all the way to the other side, which was you know I feel like all of us just know when we're creative, right? Like in the beginning, I thought because of my parents and my mom and like what we're used to that that like messaging that we're used to you have to do business or something like that because everything else is not going to pay you but then something in us told us no let's not follow that and thank god we did that right thank god because so many people don't listen to that and wake up like in their 70s and they're like i can't believe i didn't do any of that you know and know. it's like it's different for Alex because she always had her parents' support. So she was, like, very privileged. She's, like, one out of, like, because I don't, I know a lot of us Latinas especially. We have, we have parents that are super, super old school. They don't know about, like, Well, it's only, but it's only because my parents knew that I was so bad at school that they were, like, this is the only thing that's going to save this girl is if she makes it another way. That's really the only reason. Let's run with it. Yeah. Oh, it's just crazy how, like, yeah, it is very rigid. Like, you have to go into a job that makes money in, like, Latin households. And even then, my brother wanted to be a director my whole life, like, go into entertainment. And that was, like, crazy, but it was similar to where he wasn't great at school, but he was great at that and loved that. And they that was okay for him because <laughs> that's what worked for him. But, like, I was the one that was going to make the money. <laughs> And it was like, I was the one that like could go to school and do the stuff. So it was like, let's push that. Like you should be an attorney. And it was just driven into me. Like, that's it. Um, I wanted so to be a lawyer too. Well, I didn't want to, but you know, that was kind of like, it sounded glamorous to me a little bit like, oh, you know, I could be an entertainment lawyer. But then I noticed all the tort classes and all the contract law. And I was like, oh, that's just not me. Like, that's not me at all. So I don't know. Thank God we decided to go with our guts. Yeah. Seriously. And then 
<laughs> but then after after you graduated, how did you end up just getting into the music industry? So I used to like do these crazy like poster boards. <laughs> I wouldn't even put uh like pictures on it. I would just wait. Write... So like like a manifestation board? Yeah, kind of like a vision or like something that like things that I wanted at some point to work on but it used to be super silly like I, I don't even know I'm sure at one point it said marry a Jonas brother I don't know <laughs> <laughs> like just all my life like go I, and it would be like something super secret to me like I would just like write it down this is what I want like one day um and I remember before Fitum I wrote like I want to somehow get into fashion um and that was like my avenue because all the you know Fitum's predominantly fashion based but they do deal with every aspect of the of different entertainment industries um and so visual communications even though it was all visuals a lot of it skewed towards fashion as well so um i remember writing that down and during school i wrote i want to be in the crossroads between music and fashion like somehow whether it's like doing the photo shoots or doing something like that um and I'll never forget, I was, like, applying like crazy, but I still didn't know this job exists. And I always feel, like, crazy when I say this story because it's, like, I swear I've been working so hard. But, like, when I um, left FITM, I actually got, like, super sick. Um, and I was a few days before I got this email. I posted my portfolio on Adobe, like, my portfolio. Um, just the stuff that I've been working on at school and like little projects that I've done. And a lot of my visual communications projects were like pop-ups at concerts and stuff like that. And it was all like music related. So I put those tags and I swear, like, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, they made me make a portfolio <laughs> for some reason. Um, and I got a message that I thought was like 10,000% fake. I got a message from some recruiter and uh, um, WMG and it was like, hey, like we really like your portfolio. And I was like, they're crazy. That's weird. Like, who the, what, is, what is even WMG? Like, okay. Um, and then... I mean, after, one of the biggest companies in the world. <laughs> well, now, years in, I'm like, oh, so top three? Like, okay, got it. <laughs> like, basically, you realize that music is cut up into like three major companies basically for the most part um and I like researched her on LinkedIn and I was just like still seems sus to me so I went on the plane I have messaged her but I, as I messaged her I was like oh let me just see whatever um she then emails me from an official uh email and I was like still still says you can buy an email and I'm, i'll never forget we locked in our um interview so she was just like we want to interview you blah 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 and i'm like getting on the plane to miami and i'm feeling so sick i was like i remember like having a stop in texas and i thought i couldn't get into the next flight and my mom was like you better get your butt <laughs> over here i don't care you're not gonna die in texas <laughs> But what was wrong with you? I had like a really like a bad flu at the time. But then at, when I went to the hospital, they were like, oh, you know, because your neck hurts, like, let's do a spinal tap. And so I did the spinal tap and that messed me up. So I was like dying from the spinal tap because they sent me home like nothing. Like they didn't tell me that I needed air or anybody with me because otherwise at that time my brother lived with me lived in LA but we don't live together but he was a little further out so I would have had some money if I just like knew but I ubered home and everything I thought that I was going to be fine and let me tell you the worst so I'm like trying to get home and it feels like there's a house on top of my head like I can't even like stand up straight in so much pain it's the worst. Do not recommend at all. Um, but I lock in the interview for like a week and a half later. I was like, I'm flying home. Like, is there any way we could do this in a few weeks? Um, and I fly back and I was like, this is still going to be fake. Um, I'm going to walk into that building. I'm going to say the name of these two people that I'm interviewing with. And they're going to look at me like I'm crazy. 
Like I, for real, I went in there in my little business outfit, like thinking that music <laughs> really cares about being all businessy. <laughs> I'll never forget who she's now my friend, but the girl that interviewed me was like, you know, you don't have to dress businessy for here. <laughs> And everybody's in sneakers and jeans. And I was like, okay. And I still didn't shake it for like weeks because I feel like even in law, like they tell you, yeah, you could be a little more casual and it's still like slacks and maybe like a nice top. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And then I've just like grown in my career since at Warner. Wait, have you even graduated though or not yet? Because your portfolio, you had. Yes. And that was your first job. Like That was... Well, I had been working while I was in um, FITM, but I was working like free and just working for stylists because that's where I thought ultimately I would end up. So that I would be either a stylist or working with the stylist and growing from there, um, which ended up helping me a ton because I was on set a lot. And that's really a, a lot of what I do now where I'm coordinating photo shoots mm -hmm. and working like, in every piece. Um so yeah, I had graduated and I had been a few weeks, maybe like a month. Wow, and what a blessing. Yeah. Amen. Seriously. <laughs> and I prayed my butt off the entire way because at that point, like you're talking to like one of like, I would go to those little um, student loan meetings and there would be like five of us <laughs> at the school because FITM's like, it's very expensive and like a lot of the, you know, a lot of people that go there are a little more affluent. And there's only a few of us that really get in on loans and stuff. So I remember being in those meetings and it, it'd just be like a few of us. And I always thought that, that was interesting because out here it was like when you had a loan meeting, it was like the whole population almost <laughs> like everybody was there. It's um, a different I, world, like Miami and L.A. with Latinos is a little bit different, right? Yes. And it was usually the Latinos that were in the class, <laughs> in the in the thing. Um but yeah, I graduated and I was like, oh my God, like I can't afford to stay here. Like I need to get a job. Like there's no way. There's just no way I need to get like a real job job. Um, and yeah, within that month, like, thank God, like I prayed like crazy, but um, yeah, they reached out to me. I really, yeah, I have no. But you, you were know, prepared. You had, you had your portfolio that was ready. You, you know, I, I don't think anything's by chance. I think preparation is key for anybody listening. Like, you know, had she not had a great looking portfolio, maybe she wouldn't be talking about that experience. You know, I think preparedness is important, whether it be, you know, your resume being ready all the time, updated wherever, you know, on your LinkedIn or, you know, if somebody's like, hey, there's this opportunity, you already have the resume updated. You're not like waiting. Oh, let me update it. Like we need to be prepared and ready for those opportunities. And now you're landed in Warner Music. Tell us exactly your role, what you do. And explain to our listeners, you know, that this role does exist. I mean, I think it's so fascinating that you get to do this. Yes. Um, so I started out in a more entry-level role, and it was more so based, like, graphic design-based, um, but eventually moved into art direction, which is heavily rooted in graphic design, at least on the music side. Um, so essentially what I do is I will... I'll go in, we'll go in and we'll have like our first artist meeting and we'll all chat with the artists. And then eventually, essentially, um, I'll work on all the creatives. So that goes to like press photos. We need photos to send to outlets. Um, and in that shoot, we'll try to shoot for cover art. Um, that could be a bunch of singles and then eventually the album cover. It, it varies per project and what the artist needs are or what they come in um with but essentially we'll start off with a press shoot like that's the first thing that we'll do um and we'll find them a stylist that can work with them um we'll get a photographer we'll go based off of their mood and their mood boards um and like the style that they want to achieve so essentially we're just taking like what their creative vision for themselves is and translating that to the best of our ability and and you know artists go through different stages so it really is um it's always changing like when they first come in their vision is a certain way and as they grow and they're starting to grow in their career um their vision changes and the photos 
change, like who they are changes, who they work with changes, um, budgets change, like all of that. Um, but essentially we'll do the photo shoots and then if there's a single or an EP or an album coming out, we'll work on that cover, whether it's having an illustration or, you know, maybe it is a photo and we put text on it and manipulate it to look a certain way or, you know, basically any, any type of creative that they want to see it. I always say like, when you see your song on Spotify in your head, like, what do you see? Like, what's the vision for it like what world do you want to create out of this and i would um, assume um you would have to work closely with like also the video treatments and make sure that everything's kind of in line no yes so art and video we kind of we work together so we're all under one little creative bubble um but the ownership really that ownership comes from you though right so you own that project in a sense and you make sure that everything is aligned within video so that they're their whatever video they're creating is aligned with the artist's vision? So, I mean, sort of. We work in tandem, like we work together on it. Um, because a lot of times the video can stray away just because there's a huge grand concept. And then we'll take items for that. Like there are a lot of times where we'll have the video and at the video shoot, I have a photographer trying to get the single art so that it all kind of comes together. Okay. Because the video concepts generally come from the artists. Um, and that can vary. Like, we could have already taken photos. And then now here's the video and we're releasing, let's say we'll have two to three singles before the album. Um, those creatives can kind of vary. So we kind of work, we just work together to make sure that it all looks a certain way. Yeah. And build up. Very yeah. Cool. So I love get, it. Yeah. And how, how do you approach each project? Um, you say you sit down with the artist, you sit down with management, and then do you go back with your team and kind of regroup, brainstorm, okay, this is the direction, or do you so solely work by yourself? How is that process? It really is so dependent on the project, if that makes sense. So you can get a really baby, baby artist or a seemingly baby artist, and then, you know, it depends on where they're at in their career, where they are you know overall but generally we'll have that big artist meeting where they meet everybody and then at that meeting um we'll have a quick one-on-one -on -one. we'll chat we'll schedule another meeting um usually depending on the artist again it'll either be just me me and one other or me and like my boss um again depending on the artist and usually how I do it is I, I don't know how anybody else goes into their projects, but usually what I do is I will research everything before the meeting, but more so not like, you know, their birthday and like where they, all this stuff, but I, I, I write down like where they come from, do they have a specific background, um, where they grew up, and then I'll go in and like visually on their Instagram, like, what are they using a lot? What kind, like, just visually, what does it look like on their Instagram and like who they are? Because to me, to be able to really execute a creative that I think the artist is going to be excited about, I think, you know, all artists' art comes from like who they are. That is, you know, they're putting a piece of themselves out there. So to me, that to be able to understand who they are is how we'll get there. Um, not to make it like super deep. Sometimes the artist doesn't care and just wants to put a, a text on a photo and call it a day. But I usually go in like, all right, do some research, see what's up, and then we'll chat. So we'll chat and we'll have like a one-on-one -on -one, and then I'll really get to know them much better and see what their creative goals are. Um, and a lot of times if it's just me, then I'll go and have, my boss is a great sounding board. So I'll be like, here are some like interesting details about the artist. Like, here's where they want to be, people that they potentially want to work with. Maybe we'll lead into there, or maybe we'll do a, a test shoot first, like a, a smaller shoot first, and then build into that person for the album. Or you know, it all depends. Like again, on the project and who the artist is. But I'll sit there and talk with my boss about it, or I'll come up with a little bit of a plan. Uh, a rough plan and then we'll chat with video and marketing and just to see how it all can 
come about. What is the length of, of the project usually? So if you're working on like a new album that an artist is going to be dropping, what what's the length of the involvement that you're in? Oh, man. It feels like forever. <laughs> so, because <laughs> after, so initially we'll start, we'll do the photo shoot, we'll get press photos to publicity, we'll have some photos out to all the different um, departments, then we'll start, okay, we're going to release a single in like next month. All right, let's start talking about what the artwork's going to look like. Once we have the artwork locked in and sent over, now we're creating assets out of that artwork. So it's like sending the artwork or creating like marketing material. So I'll be involved in that whole process, basically. So if we're creating flyers, like I'm working on the flyers, if we're creating like, uh, you know, anything, any promo merch or anything like that, it's coming back to me. Um, and Do you also create merch as well? For promo. Not official. Okay. Mm-hmm. So got it. Just the way the company set up. Um, so yeah, we'll go from there, and it's all based off of that initial artwork. Um, it could have been I that I designed the artwork. It could also have been that I commissioned an illustrator to do it, or I worked with someone else on our team that had a different perspective that I thought could be really cool, and then their art was chosen. Um, just like that, it kind of varies, but essentially. The entire time, like from singles to album to after the album's out and there's additional assets, like I will be the asset holder, if that makes sense. So um, I'll hold the fonts and have all that stuff. So really the entire time, usually that they're there. We have our own rosters. I love them. We keep a little bit. I was going to ask you, what has been your most memorable, memorable artist to work with and maybe like a project that you're most proud of and maybe a project that's out there that people can like be like, oh, wow, she was behind that. I think my most favorite answer is all of them and it's super like out of left field, but it's an artist named Earl Sweatshirt. He was really cool. I mean, we didn't chat a lot after the initial creative, but um, that went from, you know, creating the the album artwork, I worked with this amazing illustrator that we have on our team. And um, from there, that artwork like had a mind of its own. Like It just started to really grow. And the marketing director at the time was super dope. He was just like, um, we're creating this world around the album. And it was called Speed of Clay. And uh, it was based off of some, a biblical quote. Um, in that Bible quote, it was um, this statue, and the statue had feet of clay, even though it was full of, like, golden armor and, like, all this different types of heavy metal, but basically essentially saying that, you know, you could have all these amazing things and still have feet of clay, which essentially can't support all that weight, mm. and, and it will end up crumbling. Um, but in, in its entirety, we ended up creating, so at some point... He was like, wouldn't it be dope if we had, like, a statue? And then from there, I was, like, desperately looking for a statue. So I was, like, going to all the prop houses and all that stuff. And I'm at the Warner Brothers prop house. And I'm, like, desperate at this point. And they have no statues. And I was, like, I'm going to have to get one made. And so I'm talking to the prop guy, and he's so sweet. And he was, like, wait one second. Just wait one second. Just wait here. I'm just standing there like, what am I waiting for? I don't have time, sir. I have to find someone to do this. And some guy comes by and he's shopping for, like shopping, um, for reference material. And he is a, uh, like a statue artist. And he makes statues out of styrofoam. And he introduces me to this random guy, and I just cut a deal with the guy right there at in the prop house, just like, look, I'll, we'll figure this out. Like, we worked out the numbers, and it was some random guy. Like, he lived in some random city in California, like, outside of L.A. I drove, like, 45 minutes with two of my coworkers <laughs> with a U-Haul to pick up <laughs> this statue. It was wild. Um and super risky now that I think about it because it was really just a random person. And I was just like, sure, like really I have, you have no other to choice. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a choice. Um, and what was really cool is that statue ended up becoming like a huge basis for the vinyl and stuff like that. So 
on the back of the vinyl, there's like uh, this outline of the statue etched into it. And um, he ended up having the statue on stage at Camp Flogna and behind him while he was performing. So that was kind of cool. And it's like this nine, almost 10 foot tall statue. Um, and that was like one of my favorite projects because it went beyond just commissioning for an illustration and we did the cover and now it's on Spotify. It went from like other creative material, like finding someone to create a physical version of a statue like that represented the world that he was in at that moment. And just going from there and seeing it on stage and like seeing it like go into the vinyl. Well, well, I'll create the vinyl. So obviously I put it there, but like it would be, it, it was just seeing, it was just cool seeing it. So overall, that's my favorite one. I think it answers all of them. <laughs> and who ha- and who have you been working with like lately, currently that you can share with us? Oh, that I can share. Oh. Or just artists that, that are on your roster that you can mention just so that the listeners know who you're working with or... Oh, yeah. Um, there's this really cool artist. He's still coming out, but his name is Love Monsui, and he does R&B, and he's from New Jersey, and he's super, super dope. Um, I work with CJ. Uh, they handle a lot of their stuff, but I get to be in that environment, so it's really cool. He's super dope. Um, I used to be on Sweetie's Project, so that was cool. Uh, I always okay. forget my roster when I'm asked. <laughs> <laughs> no, but those are, those are good names. Those are good names. I mean, sweetie, everybody yeah. knows her. So that's awesome. And what, um, ha- what creatives have you been digging lately? Because I know you also commission a lot of photographers. You commission a lot of illustrators, you said. So is there any like creatives that you're like, wow, I, I, I really love, I really want to work with that you can mention. And then also, um, me and you were talking about how you're trying to also like bring in more like uh, people of color to work with you because it wasn't like that when you first entered the business. So talk to us a little bit about that. From what I saw, was it like mm-hmm. personally my personal experience? Cause I'm like, Oh, maybe, you know, they did work with people of color, but you know, for me, it was super important to bring in other narratives. Like that's been my, even if you go back to projects that I did at Bidum, like, my biggest topic and what I would use for almost every project was a new narrative. And that was the narrative from different points of views from like Hispanic communities, Asian communities, like black communities, everybody, like just bringing in a new narrative in media um, because it almost feels like kind of one note in a sense. Like if you're Hispanic or Latin, you're very much one specific type, like, and it's like one or two of, a, of us or our narratives come out, but everybody else is just like, oh, and meanwhile, there's these huge worlds. So I started off from there and just being like, I really want to work with uh, creatives that have different perspectives and have different ways of, of doing their creative. Um, there is this one Miami creative who I don't know her actual name, but her Instagram is like it's C O V L. Oh my god, I love her. Deanna. Deanna. Yeah, she's so dope. She's so dope. I've been wanting to work with her too. Actually, I worked with her before when she used to be a blogger. And I had a fashion store. And so she, we worked with us, like she, we did a photo shoot with her, but then she transitioned into like and being this amazing illustrator. It's actually Koval. And um, her name is Deanna. She's Puerto Rican. She lives in New York now. Um, and she does amazing work. So I'm so with you. Like, I've been wanting to work with her. She's been doing stuff with Netflix, with, yes. like, HBO. I think now she's working with, like, I don't know, big, big, big brands. So I'm so proud of yes. her. Um, I've known her since she wasn't an illustrator uh, full-time. And she is so, so talented. So I'm with you with that one. She's amazing. That's actually so cool. I like always say I'm like artists are so dope, but like creatives to me are what I fangirl over. I'm like, oh my god, like she's. I've been watching. I can totally connect you to her. I can totally connect you to her. That'd be so. Want to work with her? She's so. Because I've been wanting to work with her, but it just hasn't. It hasn't really like uh, happened. But I've been wanting to work with her with different artists of mine. But um, but maybe it'll work out with um, some of your artists. You know, she's just b- busy and stuff. But I can totally connect you. She's so talented. 
Thank you. Yes. So she did, all, did you see that she did all the basketball courts in Miami? Like she painted a basketball court in Miami? That's awesome, yeah. Crazy. So cool. Yeah, no. Yeah. And, and those and the, these are people that are like, you know, she's Puerto Rican, she's a woman. Like we need to support all of these amazing creatives out there. So what has been your hardest lesson so far? Oh my god. So many. I think not to get caught up like in music in, in the music industry i think you know before the pandemic it could easily go from like you go to work and you have some sort of event and then you have a show and then there's an after and then you go home you wake up and you do it all over again and you're doing it every single day it, by choice you know you're going to these things you're networking and like you know you get caught up it gets really fast it gets really like every day you're out and it feels like work. It doesn't even feel like you're actually out for the fun for the most part. You're out and you're mixing with these people that you work with all the time. So really when you're going out, you're not really going out. You are networking. And it just, it, it's like so hard to explain that to people that aren't in the industry because it's like, no, but you're like having fun. And I'm like, yeah, to a certain point, it's not like I'm like, partying i'm literally at these places and you're having conversations about work and you're around people that you work with that you have to behave and like all this stuff <laughs> um so that's been like a lesson where it's like learning how to take a breath for myself and realizing that that's not going to affect my career because i think a lot of us become networking machines especially when you haven't been in the industry for a decade or something like that where it's like, at first I was like, I got to meet everybody and I got to be out there. I have to network. Like, how am I going to move up from here? How am I going to like keep growing? And it's like, I don't regret it at all because I think it's got me to where I am now. Um, but learning that balance of like self-care and that one day that you don't go to the out release is not going to change your entire career. <laughs> That was a huge lesson. Um, and I have to agree with you. Yeah, like we sometimes, you know, the FOMO of like fear of missing out. And and I feel you. I do have more than a decade in the business. So now I'm okay with saying no. I'm okay with not going. And plus we're in a pandemic. I think, you know, that slowed me down a lot. Because before that, I was always at the event. But like you yeah. said, it isn't like... Oh, this is like gonna be so fun we can like party it up like it's work at the end of the day you're representing your your company you're representing yourself your artist so it is kind of like you're still in work mode you know even though our work you know our scheme of work is like totally different from like something more corporate but you still have to have a mindset of like business and I don't know when I have fun I don't want to be thinking about business you know so um, so it's kind of, I feel you, but you know, we do, we are privileged to work in a setting where we can party, we can really have a good time with people. We can be around creatives. We can be around music all the time. Um, but I am definitely not scared to say no. I am, you know, I think at this point in my life, um, I'm first, my family's first and my self care is first. Um, uh, but that took years to like get there, you know? Definitely. Yeah. I think the other lesson I learned is that. I think, you know, being that every project's so different and each project comes with a different set of personalities, not just the artists, like management and internally, you're working with so many different types of people and the makeup of each team is so different. I've learned, um, you know, just kind of how to not manage others, but manage myself and manage like, how to work well in different environments with different types of people because everybody's different everybody works different which is what's so beautiful about it um and just and that was one of my biggest lessons where it was like oh it's not copy and paste kind of like in law it was just like everyone's pretty much for the most part has the same like drive and the same way of functioning um in a sense and then in music, it's like, yeah, like you said, we get the privilege to work with so many different creative minds and they all work so differently. Um, so that was a great lesson in a good way. 
I totally feel you. Um, how do you navigate? Because obviously we're in a very male dominated industry. How do you navigate that? And do you see it shifting a lot more? Do you see a lot more women in, in your side of, of the label, like having more like executive positions? Do you feel like there's a lot of women representation? Like, how do we shift that? Is it shifting for you? How do you feel about it? I feel like, are you the only woman in your department or is there more? Um, there's more women in my department as a whole. Um, <laughs> I'm the only female art director at the moment. Yes, so, queen. We have a ton of females in our team. Our team is actually so freaking awesome. Um, art and video all together. There's a lot of female power, which is amazing. My boss has built like an incredible diverse team. But as far as art is involved, like I'm the only female. Wow, so. that's amazing. So how do you feel about having that? You know, that I mean, that's great to have representation through you. Yeah, yes. We have another female on the team um, and she manages the team. But for art direction, it's me. And it feels great as far as being able to understand certain artists. You know, um, women like to stick with women sometimes. The women's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Our women perspective is different. Yeah. Um, overall, in the company, I see things changing. Like, we have a female CFO, which is really cool. Um, I always think for women, there's more there's more that can be on top, on top. Um, but it's really cool seeing like the other labels under the umbrella have, you know, Julie Greenwald at Atlantic records. Like she's like so badass. and we have a whole women's mentorship program. Um, so we do, we connect, um, different, what is it? Different titles together. Um, and they get to talk, well, now during the pandemic, they talk obviously over Zoom and they get to talk about whatever it is. It's a safe space. So if you want to talk about how do I ask my boss for a raise? How do I handle so-and-so? This person's being a certain way and I don't know how to deal with it. Or like, like you said, it's very male dominated. So a lot of times I think, you know, we get in our heads of, we can't say things to certain people or like if they're in positions higher than us and they're male, like we just have to shut up and take it. And those are topics that come up and we try to have these monthly chats where it's kind of like this and we'll bring somebody in and they'll just talk to us about their journey. And then all the girls will ask questions like, how did you handle so-and-so? Because if they were treating you a certain way, and and go from there so that's really beautiful we have a really strong women's team and you are one of the leaders there it's, it's the women of warner right you call it yes um yeah there's a big i mean we all kind of it, it's funny because we all kind of lead it if that makes sense mm -hmm. like whoever has time that month we'll get together and pick somebody and go from there so it, it kind of popcorns but yeah i think that's beautiful because you bring programming into the into the company that empowers women and gives them the tools to navigate through the business, which is dope. Yes, they, they're amazing. We have a great team. Mm -hmm. And how can, those, how can those women that are the executive women empower, empower the people underneath them, like the women under them? How do you see that empowerment working? Trans for me, it's transparency. I think there's a lot of things that I didn't know how to navigate because no one was talking about it mm -hmm. and I didn't know to ask. So getting into a contract with the company, like what? Like, thank God that um, I had some people around me that had said things that provoked me to seek responses from other women. So I had great women around me that I could ask, but you know, it's, it's hard, right? You're not, you're not going to get a lot of salary transparency, right? So, so you don't know if you're being like, it's not like I have another female art director that I'm friends with in any other label that can just be like, this is how much we go for right now. <laughs> like, this is our market value or this is, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. as far as salary, as far as how to negotiate a contract, 
like nobody tells you these things. And, you know, I was so grateful because I had made friends with this female attorney that had worked with us and then moved to another label. And she really guided me in, you know, ultimately how to navigate that situation. But initially when I got that, I, I only knew to read every word because I worked in law and I understood that it was just like basic boilerplate, like contract, but I didn't know all the nitty gritty in a sense of how it worked for them and how they negotiated. Um, and I know that a lot of my friends now talk about how, like I had a friend tell me the other day, like I wouldn't even know what to do with the contract if you didn't go through it. Like I wouldn't even know that I could push back. Like I know some girls that just, I found out now that they just signed the contract because the fear was that you, if you don't sign the contract, you don't have job security. Mm-hmm. It's been, the thing is that it's so taboo, right? It, we've been conditioned never to ask those questions to just, and, and it, it doesn't just go for women. I think just in general, in, in the workplace, those conversations are always so hush hush. Don't tell people how much you make. You can't tell people what your contract, what's in your contract. And I understand to a certain extent, not letting people around, you know, how much you're making, but it also, you kind of do have to talk about it. Cause like you said, you wouldn't know how much other women art directors in the same position are, are making in the field. So it's, and, and, yeah. And even further, like what is my male art director next to me making? Yes. You know? And it's like, I agree to a certain extent, like you said, um, about it being hush hush, but it's also what is keeping us undervalued. And I'm not saying I want to know everybody's pay. I definitely don't. You know, I think there's a level to that where that could be problematic. Um, But sometimes there's a positivity in those problems being risen because it could be that you're completely underpaid. Mm -hmm. How are we supposed to know? How are, you know, we're at least like me and my friends, like the ones that we've gotten really close at Warner, like, we're all, you know, under 30 still navigating and nobody above us is saying, yeah, I went through this when I signed a contract, which is a lot of how this war- like safe space came about where it's like, how do you know what to do? How do you know if you can, what points can you negotiate on there? Like, can I negotiate like my vacation days? Like, can I negotiate you know, the rate, the the salary, Um, how do I go, where do I go from there? Is there other additional benefits that I can add to it or remove or it, what is up for negotiation? And, and, you know, how does that whole process work? Do I need to get a lawyer? Like at what point do I get a lawyer? At what point am I able to, you know, change the salary? Like how do I get out of this contract if something happens? There's so many questions. I feel like I don't even have all the answers to either. I, I had to just work, like, learn on the fly super quickly and, and hope that it worked out for me, you know? Um, so yeah. you're saying that then that you were saying that for you to empower the girls coming up just by being more transparent is what you're saying? Yes, transparency, yeah. Awesome. About experience transparency. Yeah. And those listening, um, just because you're offered a job, um, there's always room for negotiation. And the worst thing that can happen is they say no, but you're not going to lose an opportunity and they're not going to just take it away from you just by asking. So that's definitely a great lesson. Yeah. I think, I think everything is up for negotiation mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, not negotiate out of fear because that happens a ton. Like even myself, I was like, I'm, I can't, they offer me a contract. Like I'm so lucky, but it's, it's a mute. I think the biggest thing for me was realizing that it is a, uh, it's mutually beneficial. You have something they want and they have something you want and business is business. It's not, Oh, they thought I was so sweet. Like they want to keep me here. Like, no, this is business. You put in work for it and they, have benefits as well it's a it's a give and take and you do as much as you can because it's something hopefully that you're passionate about but yeah don't be afraid passion is key 
How do you yes. do, how do you define your purpose, Crystal? Oh, I feel like it's ever changing. But to me, it's uh, being the most authentic in a project. I feel like that's my purpose to try to be, uh, I don't know, be different in the sense of being a safe space for people, which I think is just like really the empath in me where I'm just like, literally tell me anything and everything and it doesn't matter and it doesn't have to leave here, but like I'm here for you and I understand where you're coming from. And I know that, you know, a lot of times there's not a great rapport with artists and labels. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, it happens. Um, and I, I just, I feel like that has been a huge purpose driver for me is just knowing who they are and it just, you know, learning about them and being there for them, for the artists. And that gives me a sense of purpose of like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's always changing. I don't know that I have a full response, but like at the moment, so is that how you would say you differentiate yourself then from being more like empathetic and more authentic? I mean, you know, obviously everybody has authenticity at, at whatever level, but um, so that's how you feel like you kind of differentiate yourself because I think it's important for everyone listening and, you know, to find that differentiator that's going to make you different and stand out and be, you know... For instance, like when there's executives above or like if, if they're looking for someone that for you to stand out in some sort of way that people are going to be like, oh, OK, Crystal, she's this Gabby. Oh, I know she can handle that. Like, what is your differentiator? You know, how are you standing out? That's so hard in a sense of I'm sure it's different, like perceptions from people. But what I would think they assume of me <laughs> is that I get along with like almost everybody. So I think that that's uh, one of my differentiators is that you can throw me into any situation. I'm pretty like scrappy. <laughs> I will like instantly either connect or like figure it out. Like that's really I think my biggest thing is that if I don't know, I will find out and we're going to figure it out. And I'm not going to give up until we've figured this out and gotten to where we want to go. Like, what's the goal? Let's figure this out. I think um, that's the mindset you need to have if you want to be in the music business. You just have to figure it out because there is not going to be like this one like specific way that everything is done. Everything is done on the fly. Sometimes you have, yeah. you know, you have to figure it out and you have to have that hustler spirit, that hustle mentality, yeah. like, and just figure it out because at the end of the day, Artists just want things to happen. They don't care how it happens. So the yeah. scenes you have, if you have to jump, cry, figure, like, yeah. I don't know, like, do whatever you have to do to cry it happen, you make it happen. Yes. Yeah, you just make it happen. And if you're going to cry, you cry outside, right? Yeah. Um, that room, you just get it together. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then everything's fine. No, but yeah, that's the spirit you have to have. Like, I think in any, in any um, industry, but specifically the music industry, you just... Like, as a young professional, because you're, you know, you're under 30, like, you know, you're still trying to learn. And sometimes you're just, you know, some people, like, don't react because they're like, oh, I was never taught that. But at, when it's music business, honey, right. like, you just have to figure it out. Like, nobody's going to sit and be like, let me teach you. <laughs> Experience <Yeah>. is the teacher. <laughs> Experience. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, uh, like, real onboarding or, like, training. Like, there's no work training. Your work training is getting in there and doing it's it. It's experience. It's experience. Because that's going to be your teacher that's going to tell you, like, okay, that didn't work out. Definitely not doing that again. Um, and and that's it. And then you just have to have that drive, that passion. And, and I think you're good, you know. And people see that. People really see that in younger people. And that's who they want around. You know, people that are like hustlers that resuelven, get, you know, we don't have to like, I don't have to give you that much direction. I mean, granted, I will if you need to, but you know, there's Google. Nowadays, you can figure everything out, literally. Yes. You can so find don't come at me like, oh my God, where do I Google? That's where. <laughs> That's so true. And, and it's so. It is very specific. I think I've always said the thing that keeps you in the industry and the thing that is the most important is that you're passionate about it. Like there's no room to not love it because it's changing so much that if you don't love it, 
and you're not willing to like go through the things that you go through in the music industry, which we're also blessed to be in because it's such a cool industry, you know, but it's like, you have to love it. Like it's one of those industries that if you don't love it, it it's really hard to fake it for many years. Like, yeah, it will drag you completely down if you're not obsessed with it. What would you like to tell women who are listening to encourage them to get into a career like yours? Maybe there's an art director out there that's like aspiring to be that, you know? Oh my God. Just do it. Like, I think I spent a lot of time fearing that I wasn't actually creative because I didn't come from a creative background that I, I was always like, you know, talking to your parents, they remind you of things where I was always like working on creative things on my own at home, like drawing dresses or whatever it was, but you wash that all away and you're like, I'm going into law. I'm good at law. Like this is it. And it's like, I would just say, don't box yourself in because <laughs> others are going to do that anyways. So it's up to you to just be like, I can do either. I can do it at all or whatever it is. But like, I would just say, just try it out. Like right now is our time to try everything and taste everything if you can. And like, yeah, we need money and we need to be able to survive, but you can make, make it happen for yourself. Cause no one's just going to like pick you up and just be like, here you go. He has a great career and love it. Like you gotta, you got just go for it really. Even if you're not, even if you're scared, do it anyways, that would be it. I think that's a that's a really good um, advice that you're given, especially about people that don't really believe that they're creative. Everybody is creative, just in different ways. And so many people do fear that they're not creative enough. So then they shelter themselves and they do get boxed in. So that's really, really good advice to not not box yourself in. Um, I have one more question for you. What sign are you? Actually, no, let's guess. Hold on. Don't tell me yet. Okay, Gabby, go ahead. Because Gabby is like 10 and 0 at this point. She guesses everybody. Um, well, she's talking about being very authentic and an empath. So I was thinking maybe she's a cancer. No. No? no? Oh, Gabby finally got it wrong. Oh, I think you might have told me already and I forgot, Crystal. Are you, um, are you an Aries? No. Oh. I'm so bad at this. Well, okay. She might be a Sagittarius then. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know why? Because she's a creative. Sagittarius are super creative and artsy. Yeah. I should have known. Aw. <laughs> yeah, but see, on the second try, guys, I'm pretty good at this. You show. are. I, I will say I was listening back to other podcasts and you were like spot on. I was like, wow. Right. Oh. <laughs> I think I do uh push down a lot of like the fieriness in certain situations like I can definitely be like snappy and like go but I think that a lot of times I can kind of push down like a lot of my sign specifics just to like get in the situation <laughs> that makes sense because so Sagittarius, our Sagittarius are very observant too. You guys like to study people. You you like to study like the environment and what's happening and and people just to like kind of know how to like approach them, right? Yes, I do that. Somebody mentioned that to me the other day, and I didn't realize that was like a sign thing. She was just like, when you, I was like, we were talking about who we are when we go out, <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know who I am when I go out, and she's like, well, you when you go into a situation, you like analyze it and decide who you're going to be for that specific space. Like not in a manipulative way, but in a way of like, Oh, the vibes are good. Okay. I can be a little freer or like, Oh, you know, you got to be a little more put together here. You got to be on guard. Like those things that I'm not consciously thinking about. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not going to be wild and free everywhere. You know, very Sagittarius of you. Yep. You guys adapt pretty well. <laughs> wow, I I'm surprising myself. I should open a little bit of a business here. <laughs> Crystal, where can, where can people connect with you if they want to hit you up? Maybe get in your to your DMs, go into a little bit further about your career. You know, a lot of people hit us up to have like little meet and greets. So you never know. 
Absolutely. Um, Instagram, it's Crystal with two L, C R Y S T A L L, Santos, S A N T O S. They didn't have it without the extra L. I'll talk to Instagram <laughs> about it um, there. And then, yes, I have my email and stuff there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think it was really valuable to bring you in so that we can learn a little bit more about art direction and everything you do from a label perspective. Um, and I love what you're doing to empower women within the company. And um, you're looking to be a very, very powerful executive one day. So good job, girl. Get it. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun. Thank you. Of course, anytime. Thank you for listening, everyone, and make sure to subscribe. Um, you know, follow us on Girls Gone Boss any everywhere, everywhere. and um, just check us out. Thank you for listening. Till next, Til next time. time. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss, hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh yeah.